ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس تقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ رَقِيبًا يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَقُولُوا قَوْلًا سَدِيدًا يُسْلِحْ لَكُمْ أَعْمَالَكُمْ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَمَنْ يُتِعِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ فَقَدْ فَازَ فَوْزًا عَظِيمًا أَمَّا بَعْدُ فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار مرحبا بكم جميعا أهلا وسهلا We continue with the explanation of the 40 hadith of الإمام النووي رحمه الله We are still covering the hadith of Jibreel عليه السلام and we arrive to the statement فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ السَّاعَةِ فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ الْمَسْؤُولَ عَنْهُ بِأَعْلَمْ مِنَ السَّائِلِ So Jibreel alayhi salam, he said to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, therefore inform me about the hour, meaning when is the day of judgment? And tell me when the day of judgment is. And the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم responded, that the one who is being asked has no more knowledge than the one who is asking. Meaning, he, he himself, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, does not know, just like the questioner who is Jibreel does not know. So, him and Jibreel, alayhi wasallam, they are the same when it comes to the knowledge of the hour. So the Prophet ﷺ, he negated from himself and for, uh, from Jibreel the knowledge of the hour. Meaning only Allah has that knowledge. Here you have the best of the malaika, Jibreel ﷺ, and he is the trusted one for the malaika with the revelation. And here you have the best of the prophets and the messengers, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Both of them, they do not know when the hour is. So if you have the best of the angels and the best of the prophets and messengers, that they did not have, or they do not have knowledge of when the hour is, then how can someone other than them from amongst mankind knows when the day of judgment is or claim to know when the day of judgment is. 
Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions, إِنَّ اللَّهَ عِنَّهُ عِلْمُ Indeed, with Allah is the knowledge of the hour. وَيُنَزِّلُ الْغَيْثِ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا فِي الْأَرْحَامِ And He is the one who sends down the rain, and He knows that which is within the wombs. وَمَا تَدْرِي نَفْسٌ مَاذَا تَكْسِبُ غَدَى وَمَا تَدْرِي نَفْسٌ بِأَيِّ أَرْضٍ تَمُوتٍ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلِيمٌ خَبِيرٌ And no soul knows what it's going to earn tomorrow. No soul. No person knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And no soul knows in which land is going to die in. Indeed, Allah is all-knowing and all-aware. This verse here in Surah Al-Luqman deals with the keys of the unseen. And they are five. The Day of Judgment, the coming down of the rain, what's in the wombs of the woman, what's going to happen tomorrow in relation to a person's life, his earnings, and when a person is going to die. These are five keys of the unseen. And no one knows them except for Allah Azza wa Jal. And the first one mentioned in this verse, إِنَّ اللَّهَ عِنْدَهُ عِلْمُ Indeed, with Allah is the knowledge of the hour, meaning when the day of judgment is going to be. This statement here that Allah has made in the Qur'an, it does not contradict and oppose the statement of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam that the day of judgment will be on a Friday. Yawm al-Qiyamah is going to be on Yawm al-Jum'ah. This is an authentic narration. There's no contradiction between the two. The Prophet sallallahu mentions the day that the day of judgment is going to take place on. However, we don't know which Friday it is. We don't know which Friday. Allah Azza wa Jal knows best which Friday will be. As for us, the creation, we do not know which Friday it will be. And as for the rain, then Allah Azza wa Jal, He knows when the rain will come down, how much rain will come down, and the likes. Someone may say, but they are forecast. How could this be from the keys of the unseen? Even the forecast is wrong at times, or many times. And really, the weather people, all they're doing is looking at the monitors which show the, that, the images from the satellites, and they see something coming in an area. So they're saying, from based upon the movement of the clouds or the storm, it looks like it's going to be rain tomorrow around such and such a time. And it's a calculation. They are not speaking about the unseen. That's like if you're looking down 3rd Avenue and you see the bus coming. And you say to someone, the bus is coming. Huh? That's the same thing. Because when the, the person who's uh, doing the weather, he's looking at the monitor and he's looking at the clouds that's coming with the storm. And he says, from the movement, and they could, it's a calculation. From the movement of these clouds with this storm, and it's moving at a certain uh, speed. 
it should be here tomorrow around 3 o'clock. They don't know the unseen. They're just basing off of what they see. You understand? It's based off of what they see. So they're not telling the future. You understand? But one thing that they fail to say is, inshallah. You know, except for those whom Allah has mercy upon. Because at times they say, it's going to rain tomorrow. And that's based upon what they see from the satellite and the images. And then Allah decrees it doesn't rain. At all. Right. They foretold that it was going to be big storm. And then it doesn't happen. Like Allah is in control of the affair. So that doesn't negate that Allah He knows the rain and when it will come down and how much it will come down. And that's from the knowledge of the unseen. Also the matter of that which is in the wombs. person may say, well there are sonograms in this day and time and they are able to tell the gender. The response, even they are wrong at times. How many times it has been said it's a girl and then when the woman gives birth, it's a boy. Right? But what's intended, as Allah knew that this technology will come in the future when he revealed this verse. When a woman first get pregnant, when a woman first gets pregnant, does she know what she's going to have? This is only after stages of the pregnancy where we have the technology now where a sonogram can be done and say, okay, the gender of the baby is going to be this. But when a woman is first pregnant, the doctor cannot say anything about the gender of the baby. So the matter of Allah knowing what's in the wombs is a matter of the unseen, as mentioned. The next matter, Barakallah Fikum, and no soul knows what's, what is going to earn tomorrow. Meaning, we don't know what's going to happen in our life tomorrow. Yes, we make plans. I'm going to work tomorrow, I have class tomorrow, I have an appointment tomorrow. But you don't know for sure that these things are going to take place tomorrow. And this is why we are taught that whenever we say we're going to do something in the future, we say, inshallah. And this is having good mannerisms with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah knows the unseen. And likewise, no soul knows in which land is going to die. I mean, no soul knows when it's going to die or when death will come. For Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who knows the death. As for us, we don't know when our death will come. So these are from the keys of the unseen. So when Jibreel salam he asked the Prophet ﷺ, inform me about the hour. The Prophet negated having knowledge. He said, I don't know just like you don't know. That's the meaning of anha I don't know just like you don't know. And here is a proof against those who say 
that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam he knows the unseen unrestrictedly. This is a mistake. Rather, it's shirk billah azza wa jal. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam he knew some things from the unseen, but by way of revelation, not from himself. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he knew some things. From the unseen But not on his own accord It was revelation from Allah When he knew of these things And the proof that the Prophet ﷺ Does not know the unseen Unrestricted Meaning he knows everything from the unseen Is this hadith Because when he's asked When is the day of judgment He says he doesn't know Also from the proofs that established that the Prophet Sallallahu does not know the unseen unrestrictedly. Hadith al-Ifq. The story of the great slander of Aisha radiallahu anha. Before the revelation came down, clearing the honor of Aisha, the Prophet didn't know Sallallahu Even to the point he went to her and said, if you did something, repent to Allah. The Prophet didn't know. Whether she was guilty or innocent And then Allah revealed the revelation Declaring her innocence Another example That the Prophet ﷺ Does not know the unseen Unrestrictedly When Aisha lost her necklace When they were on a journey Aisha lost her necklace The Prophet ﷺ Stopped the, the Muslims from moving on And had them to search for her necklace and then they were in an area where there was no water. And the people are searching for the necklace and the time of Salat came in, there's no water. So the people complained to Abu Bakr radiallahu an. And Abu Bakr, he went to Aisha and the Prophet was sleeping on her lap. And he said to Aisha, because she's his daughter, he was scolding her. You've, you've held the people up looking for a necklace. And he, he, he hit her like in the, in the chest area. And she said, it hurt it. And she wanted to move from the pain But the Messenger of Allah was in her lap So she didn't move So as not to disturb his sleep In any event The Prophet didn't know where the necklace was Just like the people didn't know where the necklace was They were looking for it And there are many, many other uh, Examples that can be given To show that the Prophet Did not know the unseen unrestrictedly and saying this, this is not disrespecting the Prophet ﷺ. As that characteristic is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That only Allah knows the unseen unrestrictedly. As for the Prophets and the Messengers, they know some things by way of revelation. Or as some of the Malaika, Allah informs them of some matters of the unseen. Like the angel that comes and writes down the four matters. When... The person is in the womb. Now, Also this teaches us the mannerisms. That when a person doesn't know something. That it is upon him to say. I don't know. And it is not allowed for a person. To speak. About the religion of Allah. Without knowledge. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He mentions لا تقف ما ليس لك به علم. 
do not say that which you have no knowledge of. Do not say that which you have no knowledge of. Because if we say something without knowledge, then we will be held accountable for this on the Day of Judgment in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, barakallah fikum. Speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without knowledge is one of the worst sins that a person can commit. Even some of the ulama, and from them, uh, Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyah, rahimahullah ta'ala, they said speaking about Allah without knowledge is worse than shirk. And I'm going to bring the proof. Surah Al-A'raf, verse number 33. قال الله عز وجل قل إنما حرم ربي الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن والإثم والبغي بغير الحق وأن تشرك بالله ما لم ينزل به سلطانا وأن تقول على الله ما لا تعلمون Say, indeed, my Lord has only prohibited the indecency, that which is apparent and that which is hidden from it, and sin and transgression without right, and that you associate partners with Allah, that which He sent no authority down for, and that you say about Allah that which you have no knowledge of. How is this a proof that speaking about Allah without knowledge is worse than shirk? What's the wajh? Yes, sir. Huh? Ahsan, that's the point. Because Allah mentions it at the end. Because if you look, Allah mentions some sins and then He mentions shirk. And the shirk is worse than everything that came before it. And then Allah mentions at the end, And that you say about Allah that which you have no knowledge of. So Allah mentioned that sin at the end. So you have some of the ulama when explaining the verse, they say this is an indication that speaking about Allah without knowledge is worse than shirk. Another angle they say, shirk is an act that's done by the person. It's the person's crimes, the person's sin. But speaking about Allah without knowledge is a crime or an act that extends beyond the person. Because now when you speak about Allah without knowledge, you mislead people. Different from when you go and worship an idol. That's your, your worship of the idol, you are astray. But now you speak about Allah without knowledge, you, you are astray leading other people astray. So they say from that angle also. And also from another angle, every act of shirk, or every practice of shirk, falls under the category of speaking about Allah without knowledge. So speaking about Allah without knowledge, it includes shirk and more. And more. So these are the angles that the scholars have mentioned that speaking about Allah without knowledge is worse than a shirk. Say that again, Surah Al-A'raf, 
One moment, please. Uh, Surah Al-A'raf, uh, verse number Yes. No, no. Um, that the book, if I'm not mistaken, that you find of uh, forty hadith al Qudsi, those narrations in there, those narrations that are in there, or al uh, hadith al Qudsiyah. As for the forty hadith of al Imam al Nawawi, you have. That which is not from al-Hadith al-Qudsiyah. Now, like the Hadith of Jibreel, that's not Hadith al-Qudsi. Or Inna man a'mal bin niyat, the first Hadith, because covered, that's not al-Hadith al-Qudsi. Yes. Now. The brother he brings a good point that the Prophet was commanded to say that if I had knowledge of the unseen, then I would have gathered up and piled up an abundance of good, and no harm or hurt will come to me. But the Prophet he did not know of the the unseen. Now. So after the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He said The one who is being asked Has no more knowledge than the questioner And it teaches That saying I don't know Is a part of the religion There is a statement from uh, Imam Nafi' Mawla ibn Umar Nafi' Mawla ibn Umar Radiyallahu anhuma he said, Al-ilm thalath. The knowledge is three things. Al-kitabu al-natiq was-sunnatul madiyah wa la adri. The knowledge is three things. The eloquent book, which is the Qur'an. The pass, or the old sunnah, meaning the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. And the third matter is la adri, saying I don't know. So it's no, it's no shame that if you are asked a question about Islam that you say you don't know. The Prophet wasallam said he doesn't know. There was a narration where a man came to the Prophet wasallam and said, Ya Rasulullah, O oh, oh Messenger of Allah, Ma ahabbul baqa'il Allah Azza wa Jal. What is the most beloved place to Allah? And the Prophet Sallallahu said, Ladri, I don't know, I have to ask Jibreel. So the Prophet Sallallahu asked Jibreel, Oh Jibreel, which is the most beloved place to Allah? Jibreel said, I don't know, I have to ask Allah. 
So Jibreel salam, he asked Allah and Allah informed him and then he came back and informed the Prophet that the most beloved places or of the places to Allah Al-Masajid and the most hated and disliked places to Allah are the marketplaces. No. فَقَالَ جِبْرِيَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنْ عَمَارَاتِهَا So now Jibreel he says, Okay, you don't know when the Day of Judgment is. Okay, but then t- tell me about its signs. Tell me about its signs. Here, Jibreel alayhi salam is asking the Prophet Wasallam, what are the signs that lead up to the Day of Judgment? Or show or indicate that the Day of Judgment is extremely close. So now the Prophet Wasallam he answers, because this is something that he has knowledge of by way of revelation. So the first thing he mentioned, أَنْتَلِدَ الْأَمَةُ رَبَّتَهَا That the servant girl or the slave girl gives birth to her master. Or in another wording, أَنْتَلِدَ الْأَمَةُ رَبَّهَا That the servant or slave girl gives birth to her master. And then there's another wording, إِذَا وَلَدَتْ إِذَا وَلَدَتْ إِذَا وَلَدَتِ الْمَرْأَةُ رَبَّتَهَا فَذَاكَ مِنْ أَشْرَاطِهَا That when you see a woman giving birth to her master, then that's from the signs of the Day of Judgment. The scholars, they mention a number of interpretations for this statement. From their interpretations is that Due to war, women will be taken captive. And once the woman is taken captive and she becomes a right-hand possession, and she gives birth to a child for the one who owns her. Once she gives birth to the child, the child is free. Because the father is a free man, and the child becomes the master of his own mother. That's understood. Again, due to war, like in the future there'll be a lot of wars. And, and, and from the wars, men are killed, women are taken captive, and as a result of that, they become right-hand possessions, and then they give birth to children for their owners. Those children are free. So when she gives birth, she's giving birth to a child who free, who's free, who will eventually inherit the property of his or her father. So now, from that property is their mother. So the child becomes what? The master over the mother. That's one angle. Yeah, it, it, it's mentioned that... The point is, is, the, is the point of what's going to happen. That, that's a separate issue as far as the, the um, it's not being allowed for a person to own his mother or like, or like that. But the point is that these things will take place in the future of there being a lot of wars. And due to these wars, this is what happens as a result. And some scholars, they say 
that this interpretation, there's some issues with this because this something, this is something that has taken place already since the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And most of the time, when you research the affair of the signs of the hour, in most cases, it's something that didn't take place yet. Yes. The hadith says Rabbaha Sheikh. Okay, Sheikh, don't don't do that, please. Don't do don't Sheikh Barakalafi. Don't don't do that. We, what what I'm saying? I'm reading the different interpretations and explanations. I'm just commenting on one of the interpretations. One of the interpretations say that Leave him. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just commenting on one of the interpretations. I only mentioned one. I understand. Okay. According to the interpretation, the mother is captive, right, because of the war, Sabiya. Then she gives birth to a son. That son is, is a free man, his father is free. But even if he's free, he's a master, he's not her master, he's a master. في معناه خلاف كثير بين العلماء والقول المشهور أن تلد الأمة من سيدها ولدا ويكون سيدها ويكون سيدها. شيخ، if you let if you was let me finish we just saying that we just getting to that. لأن ولد السيد سيد. وقيل أن تلد الأمة من الملك أو من الملك يكون ولدها ملكا فيملكها ولكن هذا فيه نظر الشيخ بي بس يسمعيننا بارك الله فيك الصبر يعني جميل الشيخ جزاك الله خير طيب No, 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 no person can own his mother. That's the point. But as be, being the, the, the son of the father who is the master, he's done like a master. And again, the issue here is not dealing with the hukum, the rule. The rule is one thing and then something happening is another thing. That's the, that's the point. This stuff may take place and the people don't know the rules. You understand? And it doesn't have to be that this is happening with the Muslims. That's another thing. This can be taking place with non-Muslims. And they don't have that rule that a child cannot be the master over his parent. You understand? Ahsant. So it can be that. The point, the Prophet is just speaking on a sign that's going to take place. He's not speaking on right or wrong. He's not speaking about right or wrong here. The Prophet is talking about the, the signs of the hour. So there can be things that's taking place. The Prophet is saying this is going to take place. Not justifying it, not saying that is wrong. He's just speaking on the, the signs of the hour. And this is, this is the, the, the angle. This is why I mentioned to the brother that the ruling is something separate. We're just talking about what's taking place uh, at that time. But again, some of the ulama, they say that this is something that took place before. So this is not the interpretation of that Because this is something that was taking place in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And normally when someone 
when you're researching the the topic of the the ashrat al-sa'a, most cases they are things that didn't take place yet. So we're waiting for those things uh, to happen. Tayyib. Because it says, the signs of the hour, these are signs to show that the hour is very near, is very close. Now, and these are the smaller signs that are leading up to the bigger signs. Another meaning, أَنَّهُ يَكْثُرُ الْعُقُوقِ فِي الْأَوْلَادِ And it is that there will be a lot of disrespect to the parents. And this here is from the angle, the woman gives birth to her master. Meaning she gives birth to a child who disrespects her and doesn't honor her. And the child treats the mother or the parent as if the child is the master and the parent is a slave. And this is something that we definitely witness in our time. And it seems as, as the days go by and the months go by and the years go by, the children get worse and worse and worse in their behavior towards their parents. And this here is a warning or something that we should be mindful of, not to be disobedient to our parents and disrespectful to our parents if we have parents that are alive. And if our parents have passed away, we should still honor them by honoring their friends. This is from Birr Walidain, even after the death of your parents. That you honor the people that they used to honor. That you be kind to the people that they used to be kind to. And this will consider a good that you are doing in relation to your treatment of your parents even after their death. Yes. Yes, as long as you're not traveling to the uh, the cemetery. If it's a local cemetery and your parent is uh, a non-Muslim and was died as a non-Muslim, you can visit the grave for the purpose of remembering death. As the Prophet ﷺ, he sought permission from Allah to seek forgiveness for his mother, and Allah did not allow him to seek forgiveness for her. And then he sought permission to visit her grave, and Allah allowed him to visit her grave. And the Prophet ﷺ visited her grave, and as he was sitting there, he was crying. And then he said to the people, قَدْ نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْ زِيَارَةِ الْقُبُورِ وَلَكِنْ زُورُوهَا فَإِنَّهَا تُذَكِّرُكُمْ بِالْمَوْتِ Before I prohibited you from visiting the graves, but now visit them. For indeed they remind you of death. So the Prophet ﷺ visited the grave of his mother and it was a reminder of death. So yes, it is allowed to visit the graves of the non-Muslims as a means of being reminded of death but not making dua. Tayyib. So here we have the other narration or other wording. إِذَا وَلَدَتِ الْمَرْأَ رَبَّتَهَا فَذَاكَ مِنْ أَشْرَاتِهَا that when the woman gives birth to her master, that is from the signs. That is from the signs of the hour. And you, and again, you have this, that a woman, should, she gives birth to the child. As she is the one who 
gets pregnant and gives birth. And then the child, she doesn't have any control over the child. She doesn't have no control over the child, and the child runs her, the child rules her. The Prophet ﷺ, from this interpretation, is saying that this is from the signs that the Day of Judgment is near. When the child controls the parent, and specifically the mother. Specifically the mother. So the, the scholars, they say, إِذَا وَلَدَتِ الْمَرْأَةِ أي جِلْسُ الْمَرْأَةِ وَهَذَا يُؤَيِّدْ أَنَّ الْمُرَادِ بِهِ الْعُقُوقِ فَيُعَامِلْ الْوَلَدِ الْوَلَدِ مَنْ ذَكَرْ أَوْ أُنْثَى أُمَّهُ مُعَامَلَةَ السَّيِّدِ So here the child, whether the child is a male child or a female child, treats his mother in the manner as if he's the master. Or the child is the master and the mother is a slave. مِنَ الْإِهَانَ وَالسَّبِ وَالْإِسَاءَ إِلَيْهَا بِعُقُوكِهَا From belittling her, from cursing her, from treating her in a bad manner, and uh, from that which is from the disobedience and disrespect of the parents, and her specifically. وَهَذَا أَقْرَبُ وَمُنَاسِبْ لِأَشْرَاتِ السَّعَةِ مِنْ جِهَةِ عُقُوكِ الْأُمَّهَاتِ and this is what's more closer, well, this is what's closer to that which is correct in relation to the meaning of the statement and more suitable in relation to the signs of the hour from the angle of the disobedience and disrespect to the mothers. وَهُوَ الْمُنَاسِبْ لِأَشْرَاتِ السَّعَى فِي كَثْرَةِ الشَّرْءِ وَالْفِتَنِ And it is also, the scholars they say, it is also suitable in relation to the signs of the hour regarding there being an abundance of evil and trials and tribulations that will take place. Because when you, you hear about the signs of the hour, a lot of times there's a mentioning of evil that's going to happen. So this is from the evil that will take place. That the children will be disrespectful to the parents. And the reason why the mother is mentioned here, even though it's not allowed for one to disobey and disrespect his mother or father, as the, there's a narration the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, Shall I not inform you of the greatest of the sins? Then he said, Al-Ishraq Billah. Then he mentions, Wa'uquq al-Walidain. And here he's mentioned the two parents. Wa'uquq al-Walidain. And then he mentions, Allah wa'qawlu zur wa'amalu bihi. And he kana mutaki'an faqa'dah. He was laying down and then he sat up and he said, Allah wa'qawlu zur wa'amalu bihi. Allah wa'qawlu zur wa'amalu bihi. Allah wa'qawlu zur wa'amalu bihi. The Prophet ﷺ, he was reclining and then he sat up, he said, and indeed it is the false statement and acting in accordance to falsehood. It is the false statement and acting in accordance to falsehood. The false statement and acting in accordance to falsehood. So this is from the greatest of the major sins. And you see here, after the greatest sin, which is to associate partners with Allah, right after that the rights of the parents being violated.
That could be al-jaza' min jins al-amal. It can be from the fault of the parents, but it still doesn't justify. As al-Fudayl ibn Iyad rahimahullah ta'ala, he said whenever he disobeyed Allah, he's seen the traces of that in his animal, his wife, and in his child. So when he disobeyed Allah, Allah decrees, he has, his animal gives him a hard time. And his wife gives him a hard time. And his child gives him a hard time. Because you disobey the one who you're supposed to obey, Allah Azza wa Jal. And then Allah will cause those who are supposed to obey you to disobey you. As a reward. Ahsant. Jazakallah khairan. So, it's possible that that which we see from the disobedience from the children is a result of our sins. When our children disobey us and they do not listen to us, it's partially because of what we do. And maybe from what they see us doing and saying, and they pick up the bad behavior. And then sometimes you're a good parent, and you're doing your best to raise your child, and then Allah tests you with that. Like Allah Azza wa Jal, He tested the Prophet Nuh Nuh he was a good parent. He raised his son upon Islam. But at the end, what happened? His son was with the people. He didn't get on the ark. He didn't get on the ark. So that happens at times. That you can be tested uh, with a child who uh, is disobedient. Look at in the story of Al-Khadr Musa. He killed the kid. And Musa said, you want to kill someone who was innocent, didn't do anything? Later on, Khadr explained that that child later on was going to grow up and be tyrannical towards the parents. So Allah wanted to exchange that child for another child. And if you read the explanations that when that child is removed, Allah blessed them with a, a righteous child afterwards. So it's possible that parents who are righteous can give or have a child that's not righteous. And it's possible that parents who are not righteous or a parent that's not righteous can raise a child that becomes righteous. Like who? Ibrahim. Ibrahim His father was a mushrik. Ibrahim was a prophet and messenger. The father of the Anbiya. Another example. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Prophet Muhammad, he was raised yeah, yeah. His, his, his grandfather as well as his uncle They were polytheists and they died upon shirk But look how he came out Allah guided him to be the prophet and messenger Look at Musa alayhi salam He was raised by who? Fir'aun Musa He was raised by Fir'aun So Allah is the one who controls the affair Allah, but it doesn't, again, it doesn't remove responsibility from the parents one can't say, I'm going to smoke and I'm going to use drugs and I'm going to do this. And if Allah wants to guide my child, He guides him. Allah guided Musa in the house of Firam. No, you can't say that. <laughs> you have their responsibility. <laughs> all of you are shepherds and all of you are responsible for his Then He mentions, and the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that the man is a shepherd in his house or over his family. 
And he is responsible for his family. And the woman is a shepherdess in the house of her husband and over his children. And this is whether these are her children or children from another marriage. If they are in the house, she's responsible. Say that again? No, she has, he's responsible and she's responsible. She has her responsibilities. The man is the imam in the house. And when he's outside of the home and the woman is in the home, she is the one carrying the responsibility in his absence. You know, cultivating the children, teaching them Islam and their likes. It's possible, Sheikh. It's possible that we have parents that we did not take care of, and then when we get older, our children don't take care of us. That's possible. That's possible. The way you are, this is how you are treated. So we have to be very mindful. Allah is just. We have to be mindful, you know, how we treat people, especially our parents, if our parents are still alive. You know, don't let, if, if your parents are, are alive, Barakallah Fikum, don't let that opportunity or window of opportunity to do good towards your parents pass you by. Because that's a tremendous good in Islam. That a person honors and takes care of his parents. And as is mentioned, in many texts, you'll find Allah mentioning his right, and then right after that, the right of the parents. Worship Allah, don't associate no partners with them, and treat your parents with goodness. This is very important. And sometimes it can be hard, especially based upon uh, some of us not having good relationships with one of the two parents or both. But we have to strive, you know, to uh, do good towards them to the best of our ability, you know. And, and doing good to the parents does not mean obeying them and disobeying Allah. The Prophet Sallallahu he mentioned, لا طاعة لمخلوق في معصية الخالق that there is no obedience to creation and disobedience to the Creator, sometimes the parent may request from the child to do something haram for them. And when the child does not carry out that request, the parents say, oh, you disobeying me. It's uquq al-walidain. No, no, no. This is not from uquq al-walidain. This is from obeying Allah. Your father, he smoked. He says, boy, go to the store, get me some cigarettes. You can't go to the store and get him some cigarettes. Your father smoked weed. He says, hey, go get me... um." Go get me my, uh, my bamboo paper off the table over there. I'm about to roll up a joint. You can't help him roll up no joint. You can't go to the store and get no beer from him because you're helping and assisting him upon disobedience to Allah. So the Prophet said there is no obedience to creation, and that's whoever it may be, when it comes to disobeying Allah. In another statement, the Prophet said obedience is in good things. So, and what Allah says, وَإِنْ جَاهَدَاكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُشْرِكَ بِي مَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٍ فَلَا تُتِعْهُمَا And if your two parents strive to make you associate partners with Allah, that which you have uh, no knowledge of, don't obey them. Look what Allah says, don't obey them, but still live with them in kindness in the life of this world. So here Allah is speaking about a person having two disbelieving parents that they're trying to make you change your religion. You don't obey them in that. But you still got to live with them in a respectful and good manner. That's Islam. How, how, 
how to say it, but you know I have the right to say no, so how to do it? You say, you say, come on, Abby, smoking is not good for you. When the last time you've been to the doctor, come on, don't smoke, it's not good, it's causing cancer, people are dying. Come on, pops, let's, let's, come on, let's do something else, let's go, let's go exercise. Let me go cook some dinner for you. Switch it, don't do it. Don't be shy to disobey your parent for the sake of Allah. Rather, you should be shy to disobey Allah for your parent. Because Allah is the one who gave you the parents. Allah has more right to be obeyed. If your father died tomorrow, Allah still lives. He's still here, Lord. Your father has passed away. Same thing with your mother. So the relationships that we have with one another, they're temporary. They're based upon life and death. But the relationship that the believer has with Allah, this continues. Even after your loved one has passed away, or you have passed away, that person still has a relationship with Allah. So we have to be mindful, you know, and of course, you don't uh, be foul in speech. Use wisdom. What Allah says, Allah helped them. Perhaps they may have an uncle that they can speak to who's religious, who can speak to the father. You know, say, you my brother, I love you for the sake of Allah. Don't send your children to the store to, or don't have your child lie on your behalf. That's teaching them bad manners. And if you have your struggles, don't expose your family to that. Deal with your situation privately. And this is one of the points mentioned by Sheikh Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, that if a father or a parent has a sin that he or she is struggling with, don't expose that to your children. And this is not justifying the sin, but don't make it worse by exposing your children to the sin. Cover your sins. You cover your sins. Say the father, he has a habit of smoking. Don't smoke in the house in front. Go out and smoke. And seek help to hopefully you stop smoking. So the shake again, and when he said it, he's not justifying the sin. Just please understand this. He's not saying, okay, you, you can smoke, just don't smoke in front of the children. No, he's saying, don't expose your children to your sins, your ma'asi. Because that can have a negative effect upon them. I'll give you an example. When I was young, we, our parents, they smoked cigarettes in front of us. They would tell us don't smoke, but they smoked in front of us. And I remember uh, my mother and her cousins were hanging out and they got the music playing and, and my cousin said, go in the room and get my cigarette. It was in the ashtray. I went in the room. <coughs> All I hear is good for your behind. Now bring my cigarette. And, Why you have me going to get the cigarette in the first place? I'm a child. And of course the curiosity of a child... They say don't smoke, but I want to know what's the big deal about smoking. Everybody in the house is smoking. So this is how, these, this is how children are. They, they, they follow and do what their parents and adults do. So don't expose your children to sins and disobedience of Allah subhanahu Inshallah ta'ala will stop at this point. Whatever is correct, uh, the praise is for Allah azza wa jalla alone. Whatever is incorrect is for myself. Wa subhanaka ala muhammadika shadu an la ilaha ila anta staghfiruka wa atubu ilaha.